only go to investors that really understand your market, that have a deep connection with the problem that you're solving. Because just because somebody has money doesn't mean that they're going to be in, you know, emotionally invested uh, into what you're doing. And it's very important that they are. conversation with Olivia Ramos. She told us about the complicated real estate development problems that led her to found Deep Blocks. In part two of her conversation, she discusses the process she undertook in acquiring funding for her company and some insights on where she sees the most promising technological developments for the immediate and more distant future. Olivia, I'm excited to continue our conversation and, and now to hear as a leader of an organization for the last three, four years, I'm sure you've faced a few challenges since then, <laughs> and, and there's even more to, to come. And you mentioned this is your, your first organization that's really been got to this point. Is that correct? That's correct. How big is your team at this moment? Right now, we're six uh, full-time in Miami and two full-time in India. Gotcha. And VC-funded or, uh, or were you bootstrapped? VC-funded. So half of our investors are VCs. The other half are real estate development professionals. Got it. Now, looking back from, from four years ago, from where you, where you started in, in um, uh, what was the, the Singularity? Singularity University, yes. Right. Um, where, uh, what's a difficulty that you had to face and were able to overcome that another entrepreneur can, can learn from? Yes, absolutely. So raising money is always a very difficult thing, especially if you're doing it for the first time at, at that scale. I mean, mm -hmm. I raised maybe tops $80,000 before I got to deep blocks. So raising 2.6 million is a completely different um, conversation. Mm -hmm. um, something that I learned that I think is really useful in hindsight is only go to investors that really understand your market, that have a deep connection with the problem that you're solving. Because just because somebody has money doesn't mean that they're gonna be in, you know, emotionally invested uh, into what you're doing. And it's very important that they are. So if you go to an industry, uh, a VC fund that is focused on your industry, you can be able to pull in their emotion, which increases the likelihood that they'll want to invest in you. Emotion in a, in a way. So emotion, what I mean is they understand the pain points. So for example, most of our VCs have a lot of LPs that are real estate developers. Mm -hmm. And so it was easy for them to go to, to those LPs and the LPs will be like, oh my God, this, this will totally make a change in our industry. So you know, the same with the real estate developers. We went to them and we we're like, if they don't invest in us, like, we're, we're probably not building the right thing. But as soon as they saw a 3D model changing and the financial model changing as they're just toggling a few sliders, they invested. So we, we knew right away that that validated the problem we we're trying to solve. And, and we learned after speaking to prominent doctors, prominent scientists, that the only people that were going to invest <laughs> were real estate development professionals. Got it. Because they understood the problem. You have to understand it. Yeah. So looking forward then to the vision that you're trying to uh, realize and make happen, what hurdles do you see that are going to be in your way in order to accomplish that? Um, I mean, learning as an entrepreneur that is very product oriented, um, it's important that I know and, and, you know, that other CEOs know that you know, maybe you're not the best at sales. And for now, I, I think um, but the biggest challenge is shifting that energy towards sales and marketing and go to market. 
And, and that's something that I didn't think about going into this because I just was in love with the problem and really wanted to solve it. And then it got to the point where everybody's asking, well, you have a great product now, when are you gonna sell it? And I, I hit a wall and I was like, oh my God, I've never sold anything in my life. I mean, I've raised money, but that's different. Mm -hmm. um, so now I'm you know, sort of going in through this process of, of learning how to sell, of, you know, and it's not that hard, but it's, it is something that you have to be intentional about. Mm -hmm. And I think that might be hard for entrepreneurs and CEOs that are very product, you know, product driven. What actionable things are you doing right now to help shift your mind more on sales and to make that happen? It's very simple. It's really just spend my time trying to sell because I can, I can, you know, distract myself with like, Oh, let me make sure the engineers got this thing right. Or, you know, I can really distract myself in, in that. But if I, if I just focus, you know, 80% of my day in sales is, is working. So Your as long as management. I don't make excuses, exactly. I feel like time management is huge for sales. <laughs> Gotcha. Putting that energy shifting and don't let your, your desire to, oh, let me just tinker with the product, but no, focus on yes. selling. And that's a daily struggle. I'll say that. Yes. So what, uh, where do you look for and gain insight and innovation and ideas? What uh, audiobooks or podcasts or, or um, uh, books are you reading or listening to right now? So I just finished the book Range. So the, it's, it's really interesting because um, it, it talks about how if you have a diverse background, how if you've done a bunch of things like sports and science and art and, and technology, you have a better chance of coming up with a solution for the world or coming up with something powerful. And, and I feel like that, that really helped us validate, you know, our team came from all kinds of backgrounds. Even our engineers were like mathematic majors or, you know, machine learning experts, but like, you know, and then Jeff and I have been, the CEO and I were like in construction and development and architecture. So to come together to this technology, uh, that book by David Epstein, sorry. David um, So that's been really helpful. Um, another book that's helped me on the sales side is uh, Never Split the Difference. Ah. I don't know if you've heard about that book, but it's written by a gentleman who spent 40 years in the FBI as the head of international negotiations for hostage situations. And, and it's amazing how many parallels there are in the hostage situation and the sales process. So, so that book was really cool. And, and yeah, those are the, the two most recent reads. Got it. I was actually just talking to another um, a CEO startup and he was reading the same book. And so I started reading it and it is. <laughs> yeah, awesome. <laughs> so now for you, uh, Looking forward to, as a tech leader, what kind of uh, tech innovations do you predict overall that we will see in the near term and long term? So near term, the next year or so, and long term, the next 10 years. Well, in the next year, I feel like some of the most powerful things, you know, if things go correctly, will come from 3D printing. You know, there, there is a, a lag in, in productivity and in the, the the factories and the things we're used to having um, access to. So I think if companies, if, if, you know, if I could bet on a, on a technology that could be really prominent would be 3D printing. If we can be 3D printing, you know, uh, respirators right now, mm -hmm. we would not be in, in such a crisis. So I think I would bet on that technology. Also on VR, we talked about that earlier. 
because yeah. everybody's stuck at home. So if this happens, if we're stuck at home for the nine, next nine months, like I will go on a VR tour of like whatever, like just take me out of here. So, so that's, uh, I think that's another really prominent, I think things that allow us to be happier and, and resourceful and, and effective in a remote way will have a big win in the next, in the next year or so, um, depending on what happens with what's going on. Um, I imagine definitely brokers showing homes in a VR setting, you know, that's something that we want to work on. We, we think that'll be a great extension to our product. Um, so I'm sure somebody's working on that. Yeah. Um, and uh, in the next, you said three to five years. Yeah. Up to 10. So even long, longer term. Yeah. I mean, it really depends on, I think the, you know, our impact on the environment is going to have a big mm. say on what technologies are needed for our cities to be safe. I think from our perspective, getting into a more autonomous type of building, autonomous building that if there's an infrastructure collapse, if there's any kind of, of damage to this aging infrastructure that we have, um, that we could still live a normal life. Um, that's something that we, our technology will definitely tackle. Um, how to make a building completely autonomous with like rainwater collection, you know, waste management within the building, uh, resource production. Uh, that's something that we're really excited about. And that's why, you know, when people say, what do you want to reduce the cost so much? Like nobody's going to make any money. And I disagree. I think it just leaves a lot of room for innovation and people will make money there. And that's where they should be making the money and the innovation, not in like the, you know, just making a structure. So so I, from, from the perspective of cities, that's, that's where I see the future. And 3D printing is going to have a huge say on that. Like I said, we want to press a button and have a building 3D printed or have a fleet of robots come and like, that's <laughs> no offense to humans, but we need good, cheap products faster. So we at least should have that option. Mm -hmm. Cheap products faster. Get, get, get rid of the humans uh, so we can make things more efficient. <laughs> and, and, and then we can enjoy our lives and keep it. Yeah, or there you go. Maybe you don't have to work that much. Or maybe innovation is where most of the jobs will be. That concludes the audio version of this episode. To see the original and more, visit our Uptech Report YouTube channel. If you know a tech company we should interview, you can nominate them at uptechreport.com. Or if you just prefer to listen, make sure you subscribe to this series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app.